You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bringing consciousness to this world. In this podcast, Eckhart talks with a live audience about his belief that we are meant to bring consciousness to this world. To do that, he says, we must keep the pathways clear. We rise above thought, not fall below it, which is what happens when we use substances like alcohol, drugs, and thinking. Once we become free of that, Eckhart says, we realize the essence behind the personality, which is pure presence. You are connected to the depth of yourself, to a consciousness that arises from a place that is deeper than the human mind, so that the human mind is really only a receiving instrument of a deeper universal consciousness that pervades the entire space around you. So the I amness, realizing that, as the presence that is perceiving this room in this case, here or wherever you may be. And you develop the ability of refraining, especially when you don't need it, refraining from always interpreting mentally, imposing thought on everything. That's the essence, for example, of some of you may be familiar with Zen, that what I'm just describing, both in words and pointing to experientially, that is the essence of Zen. The essence of Zen is quite simply relinquish thought, but stay awake. You're not going to sleep. You can relinquish thought, you can get out of the being trapped in thought, either by going to sleep tonight, there's a little short transitional period when you feel really good because you're too tired to think. And this transitional period feels good, but you're moving below thought. And so you go, ah, oh, and feels me approaching sleep and it's sweet and lovely and it pulls you and it says, come here. Oh, it feels good. Why does it feel so good? Because you don't remember your problems anymore. You don't remember yourself anymore. You don't remember the self anymore. But there's a price to pay. You're falling below thought. And the same price you have to pay when you start drinking, stiff drinks, as they're called, uh, because that can also take you below thought. At first you feel better. <laughs> no need to think that much anymore because I can't think really anymore, isn't that wonderful? (laughs) 
Oh, I love you, I love you, it's beautiful. <laughs> Let's sing a song together. <laughs> Have another one, okay. And again, another way of falling below thought. And fine if that's what you choose to do, but it's not the way of spiritual awakening. A good smoke could help too. And of course, I'm, it's, it does free you for a while from the burden of your thinking. And for some people, certain drugs can, people who are so trapped in their minds, so identified with their thinking, it can be helpful for them to once or twice or three times experience they can be actually be free of that through a drug or something, but the, ultimately it's not the way to go. The way to go is to rise above thought, and that is becoming present. Developing the ability of refraining from thinking and just being present. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. As you are present, you become more intelligent. And this has nothing to do with IQ or nothing to do with acquired knowledge. You're linking into a deeper source of the deeper source of all intelligence. That was blocked because of complete, almost complete identification with thinking. It wasn't to totally blocked because most humans unless they are virtually on the, on the verge of complete clinical insanity, most humans, even if they don't know it, have limited, very brief access points in their lives to this dimension of consciousness when thinking subsides and there's just an aliveness. It may only last for three or four seconds spontaneously. It may happen when you look at a beautiful sky. And for a moment, as you look at the sky, the mind is spacious, as spacious as the sky. And you look at the sky and you go, oh. Now, most people don't realize in that moment when they look at that, they, they also feel more alive. So they look at the sky and they go, oh. Then after maybe three, four, five seconds, the mind starts saying something, either out aloud or in your head, say, oh, what a beautiful sky, or the mind says, if you've visited art galleries, it says, oh, this is a, looks like Turner kind of sky. 
the, the, the 19th century artist who used to paint skies. So that again would be the mind coming in. But in the moment of looking and truly perceiving, there is no thought. There's only presence, awareness in the background of your sense perceptions. And because in that moment there's no thought, you feel this is a beautiful moment and you feel more alive and there's a beauty and aliveness to that moment. And you think it's caused by the sky, but it's only indirectly caused by the sky. It's really caused by the cessation of the mind stream in you and the arising of spacious presence for a few seconds. And then it might happen again a few hours later, you're walking and the person with a dog on a leash comes and you look at the dog and you look into the eyes of the dog and for a moment, for three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, you are not thinking, you are actually communicating with the dog in a way that you hadn't perhaps yet been able to do with a human being because you're communicating with the dog beyond mind, beyond thought, because the dog is not imposing thought on you. The dog is prior to thought. The dog is conscious in its own way, but it has no conceptual thinking. So the dog does not have an opinion about you. You might have an opinion about the dog, but the dog does not judge you in any way. The dog just looks at you. And this can be a moment for many humans, a brief liberation from the stream of thinking when they look into the eyes of an animal, who, and the animal is not thinking. And so they look at the eyes of the animal, and the animal is more rooted in being than the human, because the human is trapped in their minds. The animal is more rooted in being, and you can look into the eyes of the animal and, and feel, ah, you don't know what it is. It feels good. And you think, you love looking at this dog or maybe even touching the dog. Oh. And then the words come in, oh, what a lovely dog. <laughs> but before the words came in, there was an experiencing of that that was beyond thought. So an animal can free you or you, you meet a baby, one-year-old baby, and look into the eyes of the baby. The baby hasn't learned words yet, but there's a, there's a light shining through the eyes, and you look into the eyes of the baby, and you go, oh, and in this moment of saying, oh, you're not thinking. This, and, and this might last for a few seconds longer, and you feel, it feels so good. So what I'm saying is, if you are not totally on the verge of insanity or actual insanity, it means there are moments in your life when these experiences of thoughtless awareness happen spontaneously, but you didn't know that. You always thought it was something else that caused it. <laughs> and once you know that, once you know that, you can actually invite it more into your life, and when you consciously know it, they become longer the periods when you are in spacious presence. And then comes the time when you can actually choose to be in spacious presence. You don't have to wait for a dog to go past, come past you. <laughs> you don't have to wait for the, you don't have to wait for the next drink to fall below thought. 
You don't have to wait to climb. It can also happen when you're engaged in strenuous physical activity or perhaps dangerous physical activity. That stops your mind. And so whether it's motor racing or mountain climbing or maybe probably surfing too, you have to be really there. And you can't be thinking about your problems when you're surfing or climbing up a wall of a mountain or racing because then you're going to fall off. If you think about your problems while you're on your surfboard, well, what about my life? <laughs> so it, it, it forces you into the present moment. And so some people say they get addicted to dangerous things like that without realizing why. They think the euphoric state that they experience, they believe, is caused by that activity it's not entirely true. It is, yes, it is indirectly caused by that activity, but the true cause of that intensified aliveness is the fact that the stream of thinking has subsided for a moment, and they have not fallen below thought. They have risen above thought into that state of beautiful presence where they are, ah. No thought but intense awareness. And that also, why it feels so alive, it is a liberation from the person <laughs> with its personal history. It's a liberation from your personality with all the conditioning from the past, the, all, the, all your viewpoints and opinions and likes and dislikes and complaints and this and that. and, and uh, regrets and grievances and all the things that make up the person, suddenly you are liberated from that. Wow! And you are just consciousness. That's what it is. Unconditioned, just conscious, a conscious presence. You are liberated from yourself for a little while. But that is ultimately spiritual awakening is to consciously go there rather than wait for something to take you there briefly or rather than needing to engage in dangerous activities every weekend and even then you don't only have it for a few hours while you're engaged in that activity or a few minutes and that's fine it's better than nothing of course if you're surfing go surfing it's great but that's not enough it can give you a taste, but the important thing is you can invite that into your daily life. That is the shift in consciousness so that, yes, you are still a person, but you are no longer exclusively a person. There is still a personal self there. Of course, you remember your history, but something else has emerged so that the person that you are is no longer the source for your sense of identity. You don't have to look to the personal, include your personal history and all the stuff associated with it, and all the conditioning of your mind. You know it's there, but there's a something else has arisen which we could call presence or awareness, and increasingly, you realize that the essence of who you are 
isn't the person, the essence of who you are is the underlying consciousness. And that's who I am. And that is, was the same when we just looked around the room without labeling it mentally, just perceiving it, and at the same time sensing the perceiving consciousness as yourself. But it has no particular form, you can't say anything about it, it's just a presence. So to sense yourself as the presence, that frees you from believing that who you essentially are is this little person. And then you can coexist. You, there is the person, but there is, more importantly, there is something that shines through the person. The presence, the awareness, the unconditioned consciousness, whatever many words can be used. Buddha nature, your Buddha nature emerges. Or in mystical Christianity, Christ consciousness emerges. It is the unconditioned consciousness that emerges and then shines through the person. So the person is still there, the conditioning is still there, but isn't, you are no longer in the grip of the conditioned person. You are there as an awareness behind it. And yes, certain things still happen. You may still, as you go through the transitional period, you still find from time to time or regularly find yourself taken over by the person again and you completely lose presence, especially when you visit your family. <laughs> because people with whom you share a lot of past, they are the most difficult people to stay present with. And even worse, it's your ex-wife or ex-husband that, that generates a lot of... So the vital thing is realizing that you're actually able to consciously choose many times during the day to be present rather than being a person. But for example, simply looking around and not labeling mentally what it is you're seeing. Just be there and feel the presence of yourself. I am, I am. Perhaps the most profound thing in the Old Testament is when God is asked, what's your name, or who are you? I don't remember what the question is, but God defines him, her, or itself as, I am that I am, which means I am the underlying I am of the entire universe. And when you find the I am in yourself, that is the I am of all life. That is, the, that is not your I am. It is the I am of the universe. It is the universal consciousness, the one consciousness that you are. So on the one hand, you are a person, which is the ripple on the surface of the ocean, but you're also the ocean. You're more fundamentally the ocean than the ripple on the surface of the ocean. <laughs> or you might be a wave. But you still, you have the same destiny as the ripple. If your private jet is waiting at the airport for you, you're a wave on the surface of the ocean. But that's not going to last that long either. You still need to find the essence of who you are as the ocean. 
So, who am I then? Who am I? This is a question that ancient teachers have asked often. Some have said, like Ramana Maharshi, the Indian spiritual teacher who lived in the first half of the 20th century, his highly recommended meditation was to ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? So you have to sit there and you go, who am I? <laughs> now, as long as, you, as long as you ask yourself the question, who am I, and you go, uh, you're never going to get there because you're obviously looking for some answer, conceptual answer. So you can sit for hours, you can sit for days, you can sit for years. I met people who spent years in Zen monasteries as monks or nuns and still didn't get it. <laughs> because they tried to work something out mentally. What is Zen? Who am I? I just can't get it. <laughs> but of course the answer is very simple and that is there is no answer, not on a conceptual level. The answer to the question, who am I, is the stillness that comes after that question. Oh, oh, I got it now. Do you? Yeah. yeah. And then you might find the mind may still want to come in, even after you get it for a moment, you get, ah. Oh. Yes, but I have another question. <laughs> I told the story, I believe it's in a new earth, about the Zen story about uh, the master, Zen master and the young monk on a pilgrimage out in nature, walking for hours, and then they sit down for a picnic and the, the young monk asks the master, please, can you, this may be a good opportunity, can you explain again what I really want to get the essence of Zen, but I can't get it. I need some more explanation. Please help me. And I'll just repeat the story, but it's a different way than when you read it in the book. Please help me. And the master said, can you hear the sound of that mountain stream in the distance? And the disciple said, no, I can't hear it. And the master said, Listen again, can you hear the sound of that mountain stream? And the disciple said, why are they saying that? I asked the explanation about Zen. And then he, but then he went, but it was very distant, a very distant sound of water coming down the mountain. And finally he got it. He went, and then he said, yeah, I can hear it now. And then the master said, that's Zen. You enter Zen from there. Oh. And then after a few seconds, his mind came back in. So you can see for a moment, the disciple's mind subsided and became present because the sound was so distant, he needed total attention to hear it. And then the, the disciple said, okay, I have a question now. <laughs> what would you have said if I said, no, I can't hear the mountain stream? <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the master raised his finger and said, enter Zen from there. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's so 
immediate, so direct that the complicating mind cannot possibly understand. So Zen simply means thoughtless awareness, absolute presence. And that's why there was one Zen teacher who, whenever people asked any explanation about Zen, he became famous as the finger-raising teacher. Whenever people asked him about, please explain Zen, he would simply go and look at you, and he would go, and some people got it. Many didn't. <laughs> that means thoughtless awareness, absolute presence rising above thought, not falling below thought, up above thought. Now that becomes a dimension of consciousness that then becomes active in your daily life. So you shift from, yes, you, of course you think, and of course you still, as you transitioned from the unawakened, un unconscious state, Unconscious in the way we use the word here, of course, does not mean, it's not the conventional meaning of unconscious, which would be <coughs> unconscious means completely identified with your thinking mind. Complete identification with thought is unconsciousness, spiritually speaking. And consciousness is to disidentify from thought. And then you can step out of thought when you want to, that is spiritual awakening. Before, consciousness and thought, all your consciousness, it's not your consciousness, but the consciousness that arises in you, before you awaken, all that consciousness is trapped in thought. It's trapped. And that, that makes up the heaviness of the personality. All your consciousness, all consciousness is trapped and becomes, immediately becomes thought. So, and that is the egoic mind. It, it gobbles up all your consciousness, one thought after another. And you can see where people, how lost in thought people are, how uncentered they are, how unpresent they are in many cases, and they're unha very unhappy. It's a very unhappy state to be lost in thought. It's a, because, and there's always something problematic in thought, because thought is there. It's designed to, to solve problems, but the way it's developed is it creates more problems than it solves. So a large part of your so-called problems are mind-created. You, you may have a few real ones, but even that is still mind-created. Let's say you've run out of money, you can't pay the rent, and next week you have to make, move out and you don't know where. That's usually called a problem. That would be a problem. And it is on a conventional level, but it is not in the present moment. If you're really in this moment, there is no problem. And in this moment, you're also able to, you can take action. If you completely align yourself with this moment, you see the totality of the life situation and the power of this moment, and then you might take some action that solves the problem. But you don't carry the burden in your mind of a problematic life anymore. 
this is such an incredible the liberation from from needing from being trapped in thinking all the time to being able to step out of thinking and then you have conscious consciousness then becomes liberated from thought and there you have oh and then of course thought will want to get it back it says oh, come and so it pulls it back and then you're lost in thought and then you gain Separation happens. Oh. And then gradually you learn to think without completely losing yourself in the thoughts. So there's always a presence behind the thinking. So you are able to think, but, but there is an awareness behind the thing. It's meaning you are no longer completely lost in your thinking. You're no longer completely identified with your thinking. So the most vital thing in your, as part of your spiritual awakening is stepping out of thought and realizing how vitally important that is. But thought will tell you, no, you, not now. Before you step out of thought, you have to think a little bit more. <laughs> when I've just solved this particular thing, then I can start doing it. But right now I have too much on my plate, <laughs> which really too much in my head. I can't, I can't, just can't do it now. It's just, it's, it's, I can't deal with that spiritual stuff now. <laughs> just, uh, this is not the time to be spiritual, no. And of course, most people b believe that if life left them alone for just a while so that they could really dedicate themselves to their spiritual life, they might get somewhere. <laughs> All I need is to please leave me alone for half a year <laughs> and, and give me some money so that I can go to, to the most beautiful place where everything will be, I will be looked after, don't have to worry about my food, massage every day, <laughs> and only the purest food will be prepared for me, so I don't have to worry about that, and the weather will be lovely every day, and so that I can really dedicate myself to my spiritual practice. <laughs> that should do it. And of course, that is called, what you really want is be totally in your comfort zone, <laughs> believing that that will actually awaken you. And of course, if you try it out, it will have the opposite effect. Yes, you may become free of thought, but you will have fallen below thought because in the absence of challenges, you very easily fall below thought. It's the challenges that provide the motivation to rise above thought, but the challenges also can pull you below thought. So you have to look very clearly when you encounter a difficult situation or a difficult person, which is not difficult to encounter, <laughs> <laughs> anything problematic that arises, how easy it is for you to become reactive and let's say you meet an 
a, a very rude person, doesn't respect you, or just says something disrespectful, and you can feel yourself wanting to, or actually responding, reacting in kind, and say something back. That's the same kind of thing. Uh, the ego does that automatically. When the ego feels diminished, somebody criticizes you, somebody insults you, whatever they do, the ego is the mind made self. The ego feels diminished even by a simple thing like a, another driver shouting something at you. You idiot. <laughs> and you've, immediately the ego goes into automatic self-repair mode <laughs> by shouting something back. And to the ego that feels something good has happened because I have repaired myself. My diminished sense of self is restored now. And so this is done, can be done in discussions also. The ego always is looking out for being very much afraid of being diminished in their sense of self. So any criticism, etc., is a diminishment. So if somebody said to you, isn't that your ego talking? Let's say your spouse is saying, you might have an agreement, please remind me when my ego is coming up strongly, let me know. And so your spouse says, oh, you better watch that, but you just said, seems to me it was completely ego, coming from ego. Want you need to be right and you need me to be wrong, obviously, that's why you said that. And then you will know immediately whether or not it, what this person, your spouse said was true or not by your reaction. If your reaction is, what? You, my ego, you better look at yours. Uh, that means he, was, he or she was right, it was your ego. But if you say, really? Oh, I have to look into that. And then you might say, yeah, I think you're right. Or you might say, it still doesn't, I don't feel it was ego. There's no reaction, which means there's a presence. And then it's quite possible that the person was wrong. Perhaps it was their ego being projected onto you. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So whenever you go into self-defense mechanism, the kind of is ego repair mechanism, and you can practice with refraining from that, it's quite an interesting practice. It's not uncommon that people, when I drive, 
well, it does happen from time to time. I don't know why. They salt at me. <laughs> and usually, there's no reaction. I kind of look at them. <laughs> and they get, sometimes they sound even louder. <laughs> I even had one last year, I had the, the windows closed in my car and there I, maybe I did something or not. <laughs> he pulled up and his window came down and he shouted something unpleasant, uh, and I just looked around, <laughs> and then he shouted, I know you can hear me. <laughs> but it's interesting, when you don't go into ego repair mechanism, at first, the ego would feel diminished at first, and then you just you stay with that, and just presence arises, and suddenly you realize there's nothing, nothing has been diminished at all. There was just somebody shouting. So you are no longer there as a, as a target at all. You've kind of disappeared as a target. So observe the reactivity in you, Especially when challenges happen in life, there's always, you can go either way, you can become reactive again, pulled into unconsciousness, or you can rise above and suddenly become more present through the challenge. And what happens as you begin to awaken spiritually, more and more, a challenge makes you more present. And when there's an absence of challenges for a few days, you go back into just ticking over, just normal kind of mind identification, and then something else happens and goes wrong and go, oh. And then after a while, as you voluntarily embrace the shift in consciousness, you go there voluntarily by choice. Life does not need to challenge you that much anymore because you're already choosing it for yourself. Everybody on the planet has a spiritual teacher. Now for 95% of the population, their spiritual teacher is their suffering. And so those are the challenges that become suffering. And that eventually awakens people. You know it from your own life, I know it from my life. If I had not gone through intense suffering and being challenged, you're, you're challenged by external circumstances, but more fundamentally, you are challenged by your own mind, which is the inherited collective mind. That is the greatest challenge. For a long time, humans don't know that because they don't know that most of their problems arise from the unobserved mind. And so the greatest challenge is, yes, external circumstances, but more fundamentally, the unobserved mind which creates reactions, and the reactions create further suffering and turmoil for yourself and others. That's the vicious circle of karma, and karma gets broken when awareness arises. Presence is not part of your karma. It is 
the wheel of karma, which is action, reaction, action, reaction, action, reaction, being passed on from generation to generation, from person to person, from parents to children to their children to their children. The, the karma, the unconsciousness, the unconscious reactivity, and it, when presence arises, something is there that is not part of karma. You don't need fantastic karma <laughs> to, to awaken spiritually. Karma meaning the things that you come into this world with. Some people, of course, have more pleasant life circumstances. They are born into relatively pleasant environment and so on, and others are born into a very difficult environment. So it is the people who are born into a very pleasant environment are not necessarily and probably not at all at an advantage as far as spiritual awakening is concerned. It's the suffering that awakens you. And then you jump out of the wheel of karma, you're no longer reactive. You can respond to situations, but you don't react anymore. You can take action, but the action arises out of your, the sense of presence rather than the accumulated conditioning of your mind. The action arises when you, the response comes out of being... You look at any, every situation that arises in, and you're present and you face it and you look at it and you accept it the way it is. And then in greater intelligence operates in you and spontaneously you do the right thing. Spontaneously you say the right thing or spontaneously you refrain from doing anything because you realize or you recognize that at that moment there's nothing to do. And you're at peace. You're aligned with the isness of this moment. It's a wonderful, amazing time to live. You are going through a transition from one state of consciousness to another. It's an evolution, almost a different species emerging that is no longer governed by ego. Ego meaning identification with the mind, identification with every thought, and something new is arising, what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven, meaning kingdom, dimension, heaven, sky, spaciousness, the dimension of spaciousness. And then they asked him, where is it? It's within you. Oh, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about the dimension of spacious awareness in you. But to, to explain it to people, he pointed at the sky, which was the closest thing he could find as an analogy to explain that he was actually talking about an inner realization. So he was looking around and, and spontaneously he pointed at the sky because the sky is the closest in the sense-perceived reality that you could use as an analogy for the inner spaciousness because the sky is not an object. Everything else that you see around you is an object, it's a material object everything else. But the sky actually doesn't really exist. It's just spaciousness, but you can never touch it. You can never get there, because when you go up in a rocket, there's never a moment when you say, I'm now in the sky. <laughs> it's not, you can be in a cloud, but you can't be in the sky, because the sky doesn't really exist as an object. 
So he very cleverly, deeply inspired, used that from the sense-perceived world to point to an inner reality because also the consciousness that you are, that, that formless, spacious consciousness that you are, can never be an object of everything else is an object that arises in your consciousness. But you can never say, ah, this is my consciousness, there it is, I have it. No, it's like if you were shining a light, let's say you're shining a, spot, a spotlight and you're looking, let's say you're looking for yourself or you're looking for God, same thing. So you're shining the spotlight of, of consciousness, where am I? Where am I? And it's just what that thought on all kinds of objects. It illuminates all these objects. No, I'm not that, not that. And finally, okay, I give up. And maybe at that moment, when you say I give up, you're no longer looking out there and you become aware of the light that you use to look for yourself. And suddenly you realize that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I am what I was looking for. I am the light with which I was looking for myself. Consciousness. <laughs> so it's, you cannot become an object to yourself. That's why Jesus used that expression, the dimension of space, kingdom of heaven, dimension of spaciousness. And then when they asked him, he said, when they asked, where is it going to come? When is it going to come, the kingdom of heaven? Because they obviously didn't understand what he was saying but they wrote it all down. <laughs> a few things survived, but most, a lot of it didn't go very well, but, but there, a few jewels survived, so it's, worth, it's, it's precious for those jewels. So when they asked him, he said, well, the kingdom of heaven does not come with signs to be observed. That's a little translation. The kingdom of heaven does not come with signs to be observed. You cannot say, oh, it's over here, or oh, it's over there. Because I tell you, it is within you. Other translations say, in the midst of you, it doesn't matter. The kingdom of heaven is within you. It's never there, it's never there. It's, it's not an object that can arise in consciousness. God is not an object that can arise in consciousness and say, oh, there's God. I met God there. Interesting question. I don't use that term too often because it can be very misleading and has been misused for a long, long time by people who had no idea what they were talking about, but they're using God continuously, talking out God, God, God. What, what do you mean? Unless you have realized who you are beyond the person, you have not the slightest idea what, what, or what God is, just a, it's a mental concept, that's all. It's a mental idol when you use it without, without knowing yourself, but when you know who you are beyond the person, and it's not a conceptual knowing, it's sensing the light of consciousness that you are. That spacious, one could say spacious, luminous, it's an analogy, spacious, luminous, the consciousness that manifests through you, that becomes thought, but is not thought, is prior to thought, the unconditioned consciousness, which scientists tell you is produced by the physical brain, but they will realize 
at some point that consciousness is not produced by the physical brain, although there's a relationship between the physical brain and consciousness, in the same way that there's a relationship between the radio and what it transmits, or a television set and what it transmits. Of course, there is a relationship between them. But mainstream science still believes that there's nothing but matter. Mainstream science, except for a few very advanced scientists, and, and most of them are either retired or close to retirement, and the, then they have the courage to speak out and say things that otherwise but they would lose tenure if they said things like consciousness is not produced by the brain. Only scientists who no longer were near retirement are able to make these statements because the, otherwise you get condemned like you got condemned in medieval times when you said something that the church didn't approve of. It is the most obvious thing is that you are essentially invisible. Every one of you, I mean, what you see of another person or what you see of yourself when you look in a mirror is a very, the tiniest surface phenomenon. What matters most about you, your thoughts and your emotions and all the things that make up who you are. Go to a, a surgeon, could open up your, your brain, your head, and examine your brain under a microscope, and the most powerful microscope. He would not find a single thought he couldn't find a single emotion. How many thoughts are there in your head? You, the memories that you have, you have millions of memories in your head. I, I sometimes suggest to people, think at this moment, the teacher you had when you were eight years old, your favorite teacher, suddenly he or she appears. The house where you lived when you were 10 years old, can you, can you, can you, 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 you open the door, you walk in, there's the living room, there was your room. Now that I ask you, you can go there mentally, so in some way that memory was dormant in you until I said this. How did that survive in you? Was that, were there certain atoms or molecules that, 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 that was your living room? <laughs> Are there, there memory molecules? And there is, some are reserved for this, some are reserved for that. No, this, so you wouldn't find any of that if you looked to the brain with the most powerful instruments. Science doesn't even know what a thought is. No idea what a thought is. <laughs> and it's, of course, it's invisible. It's, the, it's obviously, you are not essentially a material being. So because if you, if you examine the matter of you, the physical you, they would never find you there. They cannot find you there. You're not there. So the consciousness that you are, and that is the most essential thing, when you, you can sense yourself as consciousness. Now what I'm saying now is a little weird. <laughs> can you become conscious right now that you are conscious? Can you know that you are conscious? Can you sense yourself as consciousness? It's so easy, really. Sounds a little weird, but it's easy. Can you sense yourself as consciousness, a, a conscious presence? It's a similar thing that we did before, is let go of personal history, just presence. Consciousness, 
and this consciousness perceives. Without it, there would be no perception. It makes all perception possible. This consciousness makes all thinking possible. That consciousness makes all emotion possible. Without that, it wouldn't be. That, that is the consciousness that you are. Now, where does that come from? And now I will suggest to you the relationship between your consciousness and God is similar to the relationship between the sunshine and the sun. The ray of the sun, the sunshine, which comes from the sun, it's the sun, the sun the in the physical universe emanates continuously light. God, now we can use the sun as an analogy for God in the sense-perceived universe. God, of course, you cannot talk about. God is the source of all being and all life beyond anything that you could possibly comprehend or talk about. God does not live in this dimension in space or time. God is in the transcendent, but all life emanates from the one source of all life. That is similar to the sun, and what it emanates into this dimension is consciousness, that is the light of God. So you are a ray of that central source. It appears briefly and temporarily as a person, but of course it's not a person. But it's, that is, each one of you is an emanation of the one, and each life form is an emanation of the one. Your essential identity is not, you're not an autonomous being, not a separate being. You are the one experiencing itself as the many. And the ultimate realization is the realization of the underlying oneness of all life the underlying oneness of all life. And that is realized when thinking ceases and there, that beautiful stillness, alert stillness in you, that is the light of consciousness itself, that is primordial intelligence emanating from the source of all life. And so you, when you know yourself as that, then the way in which you experience life in this dimension changes. You are free of fear, for example, because you know the indestructibility of life, the life that you are. And you also know that the belief that you have a life that one day you're going to lose is not actually true because obviously when I say I have a life or when I say he lost his life, she lost her life, how is that possible? How can I lose my life because that would mean there's a duality there. Here's me and there's the life. And then I lose it, but then what am I if I'm not alive? How can I lose myself? He lost his life, how can he? He is life. 
I, I, how can I lose my life? I am an expression of the one life. There isn't me and life. I don't have a life, and you don't. You just think you do. <laughs> I don't have a life. I am life. And you, you, of course, you have a life on the level of the person for a little while, and then that dissolves. But what remains is the, the, the ray of consciousness that emanates from, from the central sun, which is God. And you, that is your essential identity. And that, goes on a, and that is on a journey in, in this dimension. It, it gradually, the transcendent source, the emanation from the transcendent source gradually brings about a universe that evolves in this dimension. So in this dimension, one could almost say God evolves and becomes more conscious of itself or himself in this dimension. So you could say, and this is an ancient, that God or consciousness, which is the light of God, is present in all things but in different vibrational frequencies. So God or consciousness is asleep in the mineral, in the stone, in the rock. God in the, this is an ancient saying, God in, is in the, in the dreaming in the plant, or plant life, like one consciousness is dreaming in plant life, in the trees and the flowers and the plants. And God is awake in the animal and in the human, and then in those humans who are awakening, God awakens to him, her, itself in the awakened human. But they're all expressions of one consciousness at different frequencies, but ultimately all one. And that is such a beautiful thing, that, that realization of the oneness of life. That's also where the love, true love, loving kindness, a goodwill towards all humans is part, emanates from you when you realize your essential oneness with every other human. So you look at a human being and you, can, you know there's a person there but only on the surface and then you look again and, and you listen and, and you, you can sense the, that they are consciousness essentially, an expression of the one as, as are you. But if you don't know yourself as consciousness, then you cannot recognize the other as consciousness, then the other is always completely other. And that's the egoic state. The egoic state is surrounded by others, and the stronger your ego is, the more you attempt to emphasize the otherness of others. In other words, you love your enemies and you want to have more enemies because the fictitious ego identity gets stronger in its encapsulated sense of self, the more enemies it has around. That's not me, that's not me, that's not me, that's not what I believe, that's not what we believe, we believe this and we are the only ones who are right. The, all this ego stuff, we know all that. It's all delusion and that's the opposite of recognizing the oneness and then the, the sense of otherness disappears. And that's a beautiful thing when you can, make, you, you no longer have this strong sense of 
otherness both for individual people but also groups of people. So this is where we are moving, this is where you are moving, a new way of being in the world that arises from the awakened state of consciousness. And it's, a, it's such a wonderful adventure to be part of this right now. So whatever your life is on a personal level is secondary. The important thing is, are you bringing consciousness into this world? It doesn't matter what you do or how you do it, are you here as a conscious being? Are you emanating consciousness even in any simple, just even when meeting another human being? Is there another dimension there, not just the personal? And then many of you will also be teaching either formally or informally because there's a longing for humans, I mean many humans, still a minority, but they're growing. There's a longing to awaken to who they truly are. And if, if they don't know who they truly are, then they are unhappy. And that's why millions survive on pills and, and antidepressants, tranquilizers. Even children these days are given tranquilizers and antidepressants. It's terrible. Why? Because there is spiritual ignorance. So that is where the awakening is vital. And now we are moving probably towards difficult times in the collective. And that's how it's meant to be, because that can only accelerate the awakening, or that looks negative on the surface, but it will accelerate the awakening. Critical times and awakening often go together. So I'm very optimistic about the future of humanity long term. Short term is a different matter. <laughs> but consciousness cannot be the universe wants to, is meant to become more conscious. And you are an expression of that what, your consciousness. You are an expression of that universe that is evolving in consciousness. So you're not a person, at least not for that long. So accept who you are on the personal level. The person becomes less dysfunctional as consciousness comes in, it still has its limitations, the person has its imperfections and limitations, you can live with that. You're not going to be perfect as a person, what you gain here you lose there, that's how it is, but you become compassionate with yourself, you become more compassionate with the limitations of others, because you realize who you are beyond that limited personal sense of self. And then you cannot not teach others. Everybody you come into contact with somehow is affected by your consciousness and even people you are not in physical contact with are affected because we're all connected at a deeper level. So enjoy the journey. Your life is a great success because you are awakening, so that means you're fulfilling the purpose of human existence. So whatever the world tells you, whether you're important or not, or whether your personal history is a great, wonderful tale or sorry story, no longer matters. It has brought you to the point of awakening, so it all worked. It, your life was a total success. 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.